This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Hello, this is Justin Self, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. Hey, if this is your first time on the podcast, I want to welcome you. This podcast is all about bringing the Word of God to life and just going through teachings and and we do interviews. Um, Now, today we have something very special. I'm actually going to be sharing with you a live recording that I did recently at my home church in Los Osos, California. Now, we normally do, you know, series. We did a Physics of Faith series, which was awesome. And we are totally going to revisit that at some point because I love it. But we are going to be moving on to some different things. But I got so much positive response from this message after I shared it. I wanted to make it available on the podcast for you. So that's where we're going to go today. So the message that I preached was on the book of Song of Songs in the Bible. And this is kind of a smaller book. It's only eight chapters. And to be honest with you, I've grown up in church. I've attended hundreds of Sunday morning messages. I've listened to thousands of YouTube messages and all these types of things. And not once have I ever heard a message on the Song of Songs. I can you I mean, can you believe that? Maybe you have, but I never did. And so this right here is kind of the message on the Song of Songs that I wish I would have always heard. And I've entitled it Journey of the Shulamite. And so I encourage you to to stick with me and and really engage as we go through this journey and I kind of share the revelations and the things that I've learned over the last several years of really diving in and studying this book. And spoiler alert, I'm not going the route of the husband and wife, sexual, marital, interpersonal relationships, although I believe that's 100% valid. And I think we can learn many, many things practically from the book of Song of Songs from that angle. However, I'm going to be taking us on a different journey. This is a different perspective, and you're going to hear about that in the message here in a moment. But I just wanted to say right now, if you've never heard it, and if this book has kind of been weird to you, or you've kind of, you know, you've kind of danced around it, you're like, yeah, I don't really want to read that. It's not really my thing. I think today's going to be your day where you're going to see this book, Song of Songs, in a completely new light. I really believe this is going to encourage you. It's going to empower you. It's going to challenge you. And if you're anything like me, this book is actually going to come alive to you. And it's going to really, really minister to you and and change your life and actually call you to a higher place. So hopefully that was enough motivation for you just to keep listening. I, I really love this book and I, I think it's amazing. So, and so that's all I'm going to say as a way of introduction. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's buckle our seatbelts. And here we go with the journey of the Shulamite on the book of Song of Songs. I want to introduce the, the perspective shift. So Pastor Josh has been preaching about kind of the, the marital and physical and, and the love relationship between a man and a wife, which is awesome. And I believe this is a teaching that we need. We absolutely need this. And it's very important. What I'm doing is I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you a little bit onto a different path than that. This is a parallel path. This is a, this is a complement to what Josh is doing. This is not a diversion, but this is a complement to what he's doing, all right? But I want you to, to take a, a, a trip with me. We're going to go on a journey today, and I'm calling it the journey of the Shulamite, or the Shulamite's journey. And, and what I'm basically going to lay out for you today is how originally the Jewish thought behind the book of Song of, Song of Solomon was, in fact, a relationship between God and the people of Israel. And so they had this spiritual interpretation. And so that's where we're going to go today. And what I want to say, first of all, is that the very first blank you see there, it says in Hebrew, the name of the book is actually called Shir Hasharim. Shir Hasharim, right? And what that means, literally, Shir means song. Ha, the, Hasharim is multiple of song. So it literally means song, the songs. Or literally in the Jewish mindset, they would interpret this as the song of all songs. And what was really interesting, and so your blank says song of all songs. What's really interesting about this is that in, in the Hebrew language, words are not wasted. And the fact, the very fact that it has the sentence structure, song of all songs, actually is, is kind of untouchable to the Jewish mind. The fact that they did that actually leads them, every Jewish thinker, when they, when they hear shir hasharim, they literally think holy of holies. That's what this word, this, this phrase, phraseology actually means. Because holy of holies, song of all songs, there was an instant connection in the mind of the Jewish reader 
that this song had something to do with this, this holy place, this inner sanctum. And so I want you to be thinking about that. So next question, does anybody know, you can just shout it out, does anybody know how many songs Solomon wrote? Anybody want to take a guess? How many? 70? You got 1,000? 3,000? 72. 1,005. That's pretty good, right? Still, 1,005 songs. And so it does say that this is the song that, which Solomon wrote. So he, he did write this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But out of 1,005 songs, this was the song of all songs. I think that's very interesting. Now, we're going to skip down a few pages on the notes. I, I want to encourage you, um, if you're, again, if you really want to study this out, I've provided lots of detail for you. I'm not going to go through all this stuff right now. Um, I do encourage you to study this out on your own, especially the, the scriptures that I put there about the multidimensional God. What I'm going to mention right now is that God is a multidimensional God. I think that's pretty easy for most of us to grasp. But I want to say to you is that with the fact that God is a multidimensional, what do I, what do I mean by multidimensional? So when you draw a stick figure on a piece of paper, that's two-dimensional. Right? You might remember from math class, you have an x-axis and you have a y-axis, right? Y-axis goes up, x-axis goes sideways. That's two dimensions. If three-dimensional would be something in this room. I can describe this cup in three dimensions. That's all. I can't describe it in less. I can't describe it in more. It's three-dimensional object, x, y, and z. So you have a piece of paper that's two dimensions. You have a three-dimensional object. And then actually, we are four-dimensional beings. The fourth dimension is time. So we are three-dimensional people walking through time. It makes us a four-dimensional person. Actually, God is, it's possible that God has up to 10 dimensions. And there's, there's reasons I'm not going to go into that. But I do believe, and I think it's easy for us to understand that there are multiple dimensions to God. We are four-dimensional people. God is clearly above that, that number of dimensions. He's at least four dimensions, certainly more than four dimensions, because he can walk through time anywhere he wants. He can step into time. He can step out of time. He was there before time. This is why it's so simple, actually, to understand why God had never had a beginning. It's, it's hard for us to get it, but if you think about it, again, in the Jewish mind, or if you think about it as a dimensional thing, God is simply has a higher level of dimensions than time. So for us to think, we're thinking one-dimensionally, like, oh, God had a beginning and now he's going to have an end. No, God exists outside of that space. He actually inhabits a larger space than that little piece of paper on your desk. I can exist in a higher dimension than that piece of paper because I'm three-dimensional. The guy on the piece of paper, the little stick figure, doesn't understand the three-dimensional being that's out here, but he only understands in two dimensions. The whole point of what I'm saying here, man, I'd, I'd love to go off on that. I would, another day, we can go there. But what I want to mention here is that I believe that there are multidimensional um, interpretations and multidimensional revelations to the scripture. And so that's what we're going into today. This is just a different or a deeper or a, or a uh, side perspective of the Song of Solomon. And with that, I really want to encourage you to, to kind of just, just open up to what the Holy Spirit has for you today. There's a lot of arguments out there about what it means and the interpretation, and, and I've, I've included some resources, and you're more than, I encourage you to, to study it out and see what the early church fathers thought and see, you know, what all the papers are on, on all this stuff. That's fine. It's good to do your homework, and I encourage you to do so. But um, there are times where Jesus, uh, actually, I think Sarah mentioned this as well, which was kind of cool. See, the Holy Spirit's lining it all up. Jesus would quote Old Testament scripture, but he wouldn't do it. It almost looks like he misquoted it, you know? There's um, a, a case in, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 21, where he it seems like he misquotes scripture, but what he's actually doing is he's la adding another layer of revelation that was, did not exist in the time that it was written, but it existed later, and Jesus is the one who brought that later level of revelation. And so we have levels of revelation. The Shir Hasharim was considered the Holy of Holies. I'm reading out of this. There's a quote here. It says, not because it is a cryptic text that must be deciphered through an allegorical reading. Quite the contrary. In the sage's view, it is an allegory in itself. The sages regard it as a very simple text whose images are clear and whose parables are easy to understand. According to the sages, the Song of Songs enables an understanding of another text that is truly enigmatic, the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible, the English Bible. They see the Torah as a text that is inaccessible, and in their opinion, Solomon's creation of figurative phrases in the Song of Songs opens the door to an understanding of the Torah. That's actually amazing. They, we have Jewish rabbis who who saw the Song of Solomon as a, literally as a handle. If they saw the Torah as a mug or a, a coffee cup, which is the language that they use, they saw the Song of Solomon, uh, Song of Songs, excuse me, as the handle that allowed you to carry and actually drink in the revelation. So that's all a way of introduction. And uh, we're going to get started here. I'm going I'm to pray. Can you guys pray with me too? Just pray over me. <laughs> pray for me for this one.
So Father God, we just thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, our Messiah. Father, we praise you and thank you that your word is living and powerful and quicker and, and more, more powerful than any two-edged sword. Father, we just confess that our hearts are open right now to receive revelation from you, that we're receiving revelation from your Holy Spirit, and that you're the one that is quickening these truths to us, that we would get out of your word exactly what we need in this moment. We thank you that you are equipping us and empowering us in your name. Amen. So when it says Shulamite here with the three lines, that's a mathematical symbol. And I put it in there because that's how my brain works. It means is defined or is equivalent to. Shulamite is equivalent to or defined as blank. The blank on your notes, this is page three. Now see, we're blasting through this. Come on. You guys were all worried I had six pages, five pages. Shulamite actually is the female form of the word Solomon. Isn't that interesting? He's put his name inside the Shulamite. So when you read this text and you're reading the Shulamite's perspective, you're reading it from the perspective of somebody who has the same identity, who has the same likeness and image of the one who is speaking to her. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to read an introduction. This is from my, my friend Jeff Ager's book, Prophetic Like Jesus. And I'm just going to read a little bit. He has a whole chapter on this, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. I encourage you to check it out. We have some books in the back. And so this is what he says about the Song of Solomon. This is an intro. He says, the storyline of the Song of Solomon is simple. The king has fallen in love with the young Shulamite girl, much to her surprise. The book tracks her journey through the joys and struggles of embracing first love to the maturity of sacrificial love, where she learns to follow him, even when the cost involves her comfort and convenience. In this process, she learns not only to love him, but also to love what he loves as her heart is being prepared to partner with him as his queen. The story ends with her coming into full maturity, functioning in deep intimacy and affection with him and in great power on his behalf. In this position, she is willing to stand with him at the end of the age, loving not her own life, even unto death. So the first bullet point here says, let's journey through the four stages of the Shulamite's growth. I want to say before we get started, the, the Song of Songs has been, become my very favorite book of the Bible because in the last couple years because of this. I, I had never read it very much, honestly, and I didn't have a very deep interpretation of it, and I just wasn't interested in it. And something happened. I started reading it, and I'm like, there's, there's something more here. And so I've been studying it for several years now. And the more I read the Song of Songs, man, I see Israel and, and God. I see the church in Christ. I see the bride of Christ. I see the, um, God's plan and purpose for the ages. I see end time events. I see prophetic revelation. I see prophetic fulfillment. All of it in this little eight chapter book. It's absolutely stunning. The more I study this thing, the deeper it gets. I'm nowhere near where, where I'd like to be in this book, but um, what I'm going to share with you today are a few points that I've been able to extract over my studies. Okay, so the first stage of the Shulamite's growth, there's two blanks. It says confident and comfortable love. Confident and comfortable love. The next one is called sacrificial love. I'm going to blast through these and then we're going to break, break them down in pieces, okay? So the first one is confident and comfortable love, if you're taking notes. Number two is sacrificial love. Number three is maturing or maturing in partnership. Maturing in partnership. So we have confident and comfortable love. We have sacrificial love. Then we have maturing in partnership. And finally, we have standing in fullness. Standing in fullness. Okay. So stage number one, confident and comfortable love. This is the stage where the Shulamite is focused on getting her love needs met, mostly. When you read through the first four chapters, you see her and, and, the, and the king, they have this kind of dialogue going on. But most of, if you study her language, most of what she's saying is all about her. 
It's all about her. I'm lovesick. Oh, come to me. I want you. I want this. His kisses are this. His kisses are that. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And then she starts talking about herself. And she's, oh, I'm so dark. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. I've got shame. But then she goes, but I'm lovely. So what you see is this really complex dynamic where the Shulamite doesn't have a lot of confidence in herself. She's kind of getting the picture that the king loves her. She doesn't really believe it that much because she's like, ah, I, got, I got a lot of shame going on. But she, she, she wants more of him. She's confident in her, in her love towards him. And she's confident that he loves her. But she isn't really beyond the stage of kind of receiving just the love, which I'm not saying that's a problem. See, I'm going to apply this here. When we are in a position of just, of having this revelation of the love of Jesus, it's all we think about. I don't know if you've ever had that. If you've never had that in your life, man, I encourage you. Today can be your day. You can step into that relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you right now, there comes a time when you get this. You're like, he loves me. <laughs> Whoa. Like you actually get that he loves you. Not like, oh, Jesus loves, no. It's like, hey, whoa. I mean, you wake up in the morning and it's just, you're ringing with this passion for Jesus. You go to bed every night whispering his name. There's this un, I mean, indescribable love that you, you are experiencing with the Lord Jesus. It's so far beyond religion. This is where the Shulamite is. And she's living in this place where she is absolutely enraptured. This isn't just infatuation. This isn't a crush. This is a real experience with the love of Jesus. But there's a problem. There's a problem here. He is calling her to a higher place. He loves the fact that she loves him. And he, he's, he's encouraging her in that. I love you, you know. And she's like, I want more of you. I'm lovesick. And he's like, that's good. That's fine. I love that. But notice this. Notice that he calls her to a higher place. He calls her to a place that goes deeper than just the mere location that she's at at that moment. There's more to Jesus than just the, the, the love relationship part. But we're, we're going to get to all this in a minute. I want you to notice this. Okay, uh, this is verse 10 of chapter 2. My beloved spoke. This is the Shulamite speaking. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with tender grapes give it a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Again, if you go back into the original languages, this, this, there's so much symbolism in here that has to do with a new season, a new change. And what we're saying here is that the king is calling the Shulamite up to a new place. It's, it's time for a season change. The winter has passed. We've, we've had all this. I'm calling you to a, there's a springtime coming. The turtle doves are, are singing in the land. That's, that's indicative of a time of harvest. We're going to have a time of harvest here. And I want you to notice in verse 14, verse 14 is incredible. Verse 14 of chapter 2 says, and this is, uh, this is the king speaking to the Shulamite. He says, O oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Many commentators and, and translations tie this idea of the clefts or the cutout place of the rock as the side of Jesus. And so when he speaks to her and says, I see you in the cleft of the rock, he's literally saying, I see you. If you're, if you're washed in the blood of the lamb, you know, you're in, you're in Christ. I see you in his side. I see what he's done for you. And so my, my bullet point, I don't have this on the notes, but if you're going to take some notes, this is one to write down. Righteousness does not equal holiness. They're not the same thing. It's imperative that you understand this. It's imperative that we, we get this. We have to get this. Righteousness is not the same thing as holiness. I was reading the Bible with, with a young man, and we were, I'm a young man, whatever. <laughs> we were reading the Bible together, and he had never read uh, certain passages in, in Proverbs. We were reading through Proverbs, just real simple. And every time he got to the word righteous, you know, it says, you know, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, you know, the righteous lacking bread, the righteous this, the righteous that, you know. And every time he got to that word righteous, he kind of cringed a little bit and he, he kept going. And, and after we finished the chapter, I said, hey, what's, what's going on? Like, what do you think about that word righteous? 
And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's cool. It's, I'm like, what do you think, it, who's it talking to? He's like, oh, somebody who's got their life together, you know, someone who's, who's walking in, in purity and, you know, and all this. Not, not me. I'm not really there yet. I'd like to be, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm quoting him verbatim. He says, I'd like to be there. I'm not there yet. And so I took him to the New Testament and I showed him some scriptures like Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 23, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 20 and 21, to name a few. And so we went through the New Testament and we talked about what righteousness is and how righteousness comes into you when you receive Jesus. And suddenly you're washed, your sin is washed away and in the spirit you're now righteous and holy and has nothing to do with your outward actions. It's, it's literally, it's a transaction that happened on the cross of Christ. And when you accept him, you get that absolutely perfect, sinless, spotless spirit. And so that's righteousness. Now, holiness is your outward action. It's, it's the fruit of the spirit that comes out of a life that's yielded to Jesus and is constantly being renewed to the word of God. You're constantly changing. Now, I've, I've lived more, I mean, I live holy now, but I live holy on accident, not on purpose. I don't go out and try to be holy. I, I go out and I, try, I just read the word and I just want to be more like Jesus and I just, the fruit comes out and I, I end up living holy on accident. That, that's the way to do it. I don't, it's really hard when you try to live holy and you don't want to, you know? It doesn't work very well. I've done that too. It doesn't work very well at all. And so what I'm saying is that he's saying to the Shulamite, he's saying, I see you. I see who you are. And she's like, nah, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not holy. He's like, yeah, I know. I know you're not holy. I know you're not living a holy life. I get it. But he's like, you're righteous. I see who you are. I see who I made you to be. That is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, in my opinion. And so he calls her to a higher place. I want you to notice something really interesting. I mentioned a problem earlier. In verse 17, you have the, this is mind-blowing. He had just called her these beautiful things. He just called her to a higher place. And look at her response. Like this, if you have a Bible, please turn to it. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 17. This is her responding to this amazing king's invitation. She says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved, turn and go. That's what she says. She's like, go away, actually. Turn and go. Be like the gazelle or the young stag upon the mountains of Bethere. Bethere literally means separation. In English, the way to, just, to translate this would be, I'm not ready. It's, there's too much going on. There's, there's, I need it to be nicer. I need it, the clouds to be away. I need the season to be just right for me. I'm not ready. Until I'm ready, you go ahead. You go ahead and do that. I, let's have separation for now. Earlier, there's a, there's a mention of a wall. She's very aware that there is a wall between her and the king, and she's okay with it. And it's because she's so comfortable in this, this love relationship, this, this, this feely thing, she, she knows there's a wall. She knows that there's something more, but she's not going for it. And so that's why I call it confident and comfortable love. She's very comfortable and she's kind of okay with where she's at. So that's a problem. I want to let you know something that you can have as much of God as you want. I'll let that hang there for a minute. God's not kicking down your door against your free will. You can have as much as, as him as you want. You have free will. Check this out. Your experience with God is a function of your expectation. I know a lot of people who have read the Bible, you know, or they say they've talked to God or all this stuff. But do they, ha you know, and I ask them, hey, how's your relationship with him? And they're like, ah, you know, I'm not really into that. Well, they don't expect it. They're not hungry for that. They're not looking for that. The people that I know that are closest to the Lord are the ones who are most hungry for him. The ones that are expecting him to show up. The deeper places with God are available, but you don't just get there accidentally. Whew, isn't that interesting? She had the choice. She, she said, no, you, you go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm, let's, let's, just, let's just stay where I'm at. We're comfortable. It's cool. You go ahead. What does he do? He goes. He didn't kick down her door. He didn't say, love me, you know. How would it work if, if I was with my kids, you know. And like, I love it when, Kate, like, as a dad, when Caleb said, when my son says, I love you, oh my gosh. There's nothing in the world. Like, it just melts my heart when he's like, I love you, daddy. I'm like, oh, I just want to buy you everything now, you know. Everything. You want a car? <laughs> Have mine. He's seven, <laughs> you know. 
But what if I was like, hey, say you love me. He's like, I love you, Dad. I'm like, good. <laughs> hey, you didn't say it. Say, say I love you. I love you, Dad. Okay, good. Like, come on, that doesn't, that doesn't do it for me. I'm not going to make him do that. And so, so God honors your, your no. I want you to understand that today. I think we, need to, we really need a revelation of that. God will honor your no. I know it'd be easier. Wouldn't it be easier if God wouldn't? Let's just be honest. Wouldn't it be easier if, if God would just do it for us? And it's like, if we're not at the place that we should be, like, what if he would just kick down the door and just make us the way that we should be? I mean, come on. Like, that would be so much easier. This whole thing would be wrapped up. We'd all be in heaven right now. Like, we'd be in the millennial reign. It'd be done. Everybody would be born again. Revival in the streets, man. Come on. But there's free choice, right? The Bible says specifically in many places that it's not God's will that any should perish. Yet there's people perishing all over the place. It's not God's will. Love. Love doesn't, con- love doesn't control Love doesn't force. Love doesn't manipulate. Love doesn't crash the door down when someone says no. Love gives them space. And so the king king gives her space. So he disappears. Stage two, sacrificial love. This is cool because this is the place where it, it is my heart and it's my desire and it's my prayer that the body of Christ would graduate out of, and I'm not, not everybody, I'm saying just much, much of the body of Christ is in stage one. And it's my prayer that we would, that we would move into at least stage two. Stage two costs something. You see, she's too comfortable where she's at to, to, to step into his, his invitation, right, in, uh, in chapter five, or uh, chapter two, excuse me. And so if you read through it, you'll see that she, she regrets it. She's like, ah, I let him go. Why did I let him go? And so she goes out and she searches through the city and she finds him. Yay, I'm going to bring you home. You know, we're back to this lovey-dovey relationship. Oh, can't believe I lost you. But then what's interesting is she has a new revelation of who he is. She's like, she literally says, who, who, who is this? Check this out. See if I can find it real quick. Do I have it in here? Yeah, 3-6. She says, who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense? Myrrh, by the way, was offered in the sacrifices in the Old Testament times. Myrrh was also offered with, with wine. You'll, you'll see it in the book of John and also in Matthew. When, when Jesus is on the cross, they will offer him myrrh mixed with wine. So this is something that they would offer specifically to, to people who are getting crucified. So whenever you think of the word myrrh, you can think of the crucifixion. You can think of what Jesus did. There's a, there's a connection here. Um, frankincense was offered in the temple as well. And it actually has to do with holiness and prayer, if you study it out. You weren't allowed to mix frankincense with other types of offerings that had to do with sin offerings. You had to have frankincense off by itself for holiness offerings. So when you think of the word frankincense, think of holiness, separation, set apart. When you think of myrrh, you can think of the suffering love. You can think of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's interesting, she has this revelation, she says, who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? Verse, this is chapter three, verse six, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. So she's having a deeper revelation of the cross, is what I think. She's having a revelation of who Jesus is. So this is beyond the lovey-dovey, feel-good honeymoon phase, which I love, by the way. And I'm, and I'm not saying it's wrong for us to be in a love relationship with Jesus, man. I'm telling you, that's something that will sustain you. My life has been radically transformed. This is year number 11 for me after coming to the end of myself and literally hitting rock bottom. And that experience and encounter that I had with the Lord has not waned off. The the fire has burned hotter and hotter for 11 years. And I'm here to tell you, this is not theory, what I'm telling you today. This is experience. The fire of the Lord, it will not quit. If you say yes to him, it will burn hotter and hotter and hotter. And the cool thing is she said no, but she got right back on track again. No big deal. You don't see the, the king saying, oh, you know, come on. He doesn't say that. He literally doesn't miss, miss a beat. He shows her a new level of revelation and then he brings her into, into his, his plans. What I want to say about stage two sacrificial love is that the deeper places with God are costly, but worth the price. There are deeper places with God. Religion would have you think that once you're born again, once you have Jesus, that's all there is and you just live your life, try to be good and that's, you're kind of at level one, right? That's a one-dimensional mindset. Well, we, we know we're four-dimensional creatures now. And now we know that as four-dimensional creatures, we're connecting with at least a 10-dimensional God. So there's more, there's always going to be more for us as long as we're in this body. So I want you to be encouraged with that. There's always a deeper place with God, no matter how far you are, no matter where you think you are. 
I had a custom surfboard made for me by uh, Philip Wall. He's a local uh, shaper. He's actually a friend of a friend, which is kind of cool. Anyway, I had him make me a board. He asked me if I wanted anything written on it. I said, yeah, cool. So he wrote my name. And then I had him put Psalm 2514 right down the, the center line of my board. As a reminder, when I'm surfing, I can look down there and see it. Psalm 2514 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he shows them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret, the treasure of the Lord. Interesting. And he shows them his covenant. All right, so I have a story. I want to tell you a quick story. So years ago, I was hiking. There's this place called Punchbowl Falls in Oregon. And it's really beautiful. And so me and some friends are hiking, and we're, we're on the way down. We had already done like the, it was like eight miles up, eight miles back or something. And we're coming down the mountain, and we, we get to the point where there's this, this Punchbowl Falls, which is like a really popular you know, destination for everybody. And we hear this really awful, I've never heard anything like it, and I'll never forget what it sounds like. Um, it, was, it was someone screaming, and it, was really, it really bothered me. It sounded terrible. And so we, we walked down to Punchbowl Falls to see what was going on, because it just didn't sound right. And there was a guy, a young guy, probably in his early 20s. He just was on the, on the shore, and he was, he was blue cold and blue. You know, he'd been in the water. He was alive. I'm not saying he was dead or anything, but he was screaming. He was just yelling and wailing. And you could just, I just, again, I, I've never heard anything like this. Like just his heart was just, you know, crying out. I, I had been, I was in the middle of EMT school actually at the time. And so I was all like, you know, ready with my EMT knowledge, you know? So I came down and I saw he was cold and I was like, oh, this dude's like mild hypothermia. You know, let's, let's start dealing with this. So we started helping him out and warming him up, you know, and, and, we find out the reason he was so upset was he was on a trip from California and they had just graduated, him and his, some buddies. Uh, I forgot if it was high school or must have been college, actually. And um, he took a buddy up and they, they jumped off the falls. You know, not a good plan. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm not into that, especially after this. And so anyways, his buddy didn't come up. And so they jumped, they went in, he came up, he looked around, his buddy didn't come up. And so he looked and looked and looked and looked and swam and dove and everything. And finally, this guy, this guy literally was blue. I mean, he, he physically couldn't swim anymore looking for his friend. His friend never came up. And so here I am, like, I'm an EMT, and I'm helping him and all this stuff. And I'm also, like, in kind of in the honeymoon phase of my time with the Lord. So, like, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm just, like, fired up, and I'm just, like, praying in tongues. And I'm, like, this, I'm going to see the dead raised today. Like, it wasn't weird. I just was like, I actually, like, this is in the Bible. Like, I'm going to, like, let's do it. Let's go. This is an opportunity. And so I just start calling forth, you know, this guy to come from, come out from the dead. And I'm telling you guys right now, I had all the faith in the world, man. I was expecting this thing to just come up and him to come flying out. I don't know. I just was expecting it to happen. And it never happened. And I'm like, we took care of this guy and it was just a really emotional thing. So I get home and I, you know, I turn on the news and it was on the news, you know, and the, sure enough, they found the body and all the stuff. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> like he died, you know? And I was super tore up about this. Like I'm, is there, I'm, I'm being really vulnerable. Is that, is that cool? <laughs> you guys can kind of see inside really quick. So I, I, I get home and I am honestly really tore up about this, really. Because I'm like, this is God's will. God's plan is for us to raise the dead. I mean, I can give you, I can quote 10 scriptures on it, you know? And I can tell you it's God's heart. He wants this to happen, right? So why didn't it happen? And as I'm praying, I'm crying out to God, and I'm just a wreck. And I'm just, I'm confused. I'm a wreck. And at that exact moment, it was the craziest thing. Literally at the same moment that I was praying, I get an email from a prophet friend of mine. Legit office of the prophet. I'm not saying someone who prophesies on Sundays or, or Wednesdays or something just as a hobby. No, this, this person held the office of a prophet in the New Testament church. And she wrote me this huge long thing, and it had to do with everything you could imagine in my life. It was absolutely stunning. But at the very end... It said something that has that has I've never forgotten it and I never will forget it. And it has something to do with the story. And she said at the very end, she, and it was kind of out of context. It was kind of funny how this word worked. The word was very cohesive, and at the very end it had this one statement. And it said, It comes with a price. How much time will you spend? And I'm like, what is this about? Because my cry to the Lord was, What does it cost? Like, what is going on here? How do I do this? Like how and it wasn't, you got to understand, this wasn't a mechanical thing where I'm like, hey, how do you raise the dead? Because I just, I want to know how to, you, you, you bullet point and how you do the works of Jesus. That wasn't it. My heart's cry was, Lord, I want to be so much like you 
Like my heart beats for you. Like how do I do the stuff that you did? How do I manifest the love and the personality that you are? How do I, how do, I do that? How do I manifest that? Like as I'm asking how, how, how? Like what, what do you, how, it comes with a price. So, whoo. So it comes with a price, right? So that was however many years ago. And uh, I was like, you know what? Okay. I see what's going on. Because I was in my head. I was like, I'm just going to do the works of Jesus, right? I'm just going to do it. No, no, no. There's a cost. There's something that costs you something. Waking up early, spending time with the Lord, just praying in the spirit, just making time for him throughout the day, getting to know him as a person, getting to know his face and not just his hand. That's all involved in this stuff. And so several years later, I, you know, just was doing my thing, had a day, normal day, was drinking my coffee, went into work, and I did end up seeing someone raised from the dead. Just happened. But I, and I'm not saying that I'm cool by that. That's not what I'm trying to point out. I'm trying to point out to you that, that this is real. So I did, I did. I prayed, prayed over somebody and ministered to him, and he came back. His life came back to him. It was cool. It was cool. Doctor confirmed. It was actually pretty crazy how it happened. The guy was, um, long story short, he, would, he had been dead for like a couple hours. And it was, and I'm here to, listen, I'm here to tell you something. I'm not going to bore you. I'm not going to tell you the details because the, the details are pretty, pretty bad, <laughs> pretty gnarly. I'm here to tell you that dude was dead. All right. I mean, he was absolutely out there. The later, they rushed him off and everything. He, he was gone. Later, they, someone came back to me because they all heard me. This was at a, a clinic. I used to work at a dialysis clinic. And I mean, I'm doing compressions on this guy and I'm like, oh, I guess I should say something. Come back in the name of Jesus, you know. Nothing happened, and I'm like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I don't really care. It's fine. And, and everybody heard me, and later in the day, a couple hours later, they call me. They're like, hey, your prayer has been answered. This guy came back. So, like, the whole, like, clinic knew. It was cool. So it happened, right? So here's what I, I want to say about this. Sacrificial love, right? She, she learns that it costs her something to be, to be close to Jesus. And I'm not trying to scare anybody into thinking, like, you have to do all the performance and you got to do all the stuff. That's not the point here. You're, you're, if you're in Christ, you're, you're good. Like, you've earned the favor of God. But I also want you to know that it's going to cost you something. It's not rainbows and ponies. It's not just sunshine and rays walking with Jesus. Like, there are things that you have to do. I have a friend in Japan right now who's willing, he tells me all the time, he's willing to die for the gospel at any moment. He has prepared his family, his little kids, that they could die at any moment. They could literally be killed for their faith and for what they're doing, even in Japan and other places that they go that are definitely off, off limits. I guess it sounds cliche, doesn't it, to say, are you willing to die for Jesus? But it's another thing when you think about it and you go to one of those places. Like I've been up to the border of Somalia and I've, I've had some experiences with, with that and I'm like, okay. <laughs> This could really happen. This could actually be the real deal. And the point is, for us in Los Osos here, living our, our, our lives, which, are, which is fine. It's cool that we're comfortable. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I just want to plant a seed with everybody that it costs something to go to the deeper places. You don't have to go if you don't want to. It's okay. There's no shame in that. But I'm telling you right now that there are deeper places and they're worth the price. Whew. All right. Maturing in partnership. Stage three, and I'm, I'm almost done. I'm going to try to wrap it up. <laughs> Maturing partnership is stage three. This is really cool because the Shulamite finally begins to see who she truly is. You see that her language, this is actually really fun. If you read through the Song of Songs, you'll see the king say certain phrases over and over again. Hey, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases, right? He says that like three times. In chapter eight, the Shulamite says that same thing for the first time. It's really interesting if you look at it. He's saying this one phrase over and over again, and then by the end of the book, she starts saying the same thing back. Her speech now is like his. She's starting to say the th same thing he's speaking. Maturing in partnership. The really, really powerful verse in Song of Solomon that I love about this, I'm actually going to read it out of the Passion Translation, because this is... A very, very good rendition of this particular part. I'm going to go to chapter 7, verse 11 and 12. Yeah, here it is. 
Oh, this is cool. Look at this. So, so remember how, how far she's come. Look at this. She says, come away, my lover. Come with me to the faraway fields. We will run away together to the forgotten places and show them redeeming love. In the beginning of the book, she wasn't like that, right? She wasn't like, let's go show someone else love. She was like, nah, 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 give me love, give me love, give me all the love, right? No, now she's like, hey, hey, let's go out. Let's go out and show, show these people. Let's go show the forgotten places. Let's go to the nations, right? Let's go to these places who haven't heard of you. Let's show them redeeming love. Verse 12, let us arise and run to the vineyards of your people. And let's see if the budding vines of love are now in full bloom. We will discover if their passion is awakened. There I will, discover, I will display my love for you. So she goes on to display her love for the king. And many people are affected by this. So that's another encouragement for you. Don't be afraid to show your love for Jesus to people. You might think it's weird or something, but man, I'm telling you right now, when you, when you start displaying your passion for who Jesus is, something happens in the hearts of others. And they're like, hey, what? Who, <laughs> what's going on here? Like, this person's talking about Jesus, not like a religion, but they're like a love relationship or something, right? It, it stirs up that deep place in their heart. And so that's my encouragement is that, man, you can, you cannot be afraid to share your love for Jesus, not just your, your knowledge of Jesus, but I'm telling you, your love for him and your passion for him can really do, do wonders. The goal here isn't to go, now hear me out, okay? Hear, hear this whole sentence first before you shoot me down. The goal isn't to go out and evangelize the whole world. The goal is to be so close to Jesus that his attributes become yours. And then evangelizing the nations is a byproduct of a life that's been transformed by Jesus. I don't, I don't want to send someone out to the nations preaching Jesus if they haven't had an encounter with him themselves. We've got enough of that going on. And it's not doing a lot of good, actually. You go to the nations and you have a love relationship and you have a history with the Lord and you have a passion and you have something to share. Then you have something to give. If you don't have anything to share, you might as well not be given it. You might as well stay home. It's a byproduct. And so the Shunai is, is beginning to see who she is. She's actually recognizing this, the, the king's love for her and the king's expressions towards her. And she's coming out of this shame. You can actually see it. Now, even in, in stage three, she actually throws a little thing in there. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed. Like, who am I that you would look at me and, and you want to see me dance is actually the, the, the language. It says dance, but it actually carries this idea of, of, of a banner over an army or, or an angel army. And so in other words, it has to do with, with authority and, and her walking in authority, right? But she's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really there yet. I'm not sure that's who I am. But again, the king doesn't miss a beat and he still keeps telling her how much he loves her and how awesome she is. And he sees her from the perspective of heaven and it's just, it's just awesome. He never changes. And God's always going to do that to you. If you hear a voice coming to you that's, in, that's not encouraging and that's, that's condemning, I'm telling you right now, it's not the Lord. The Lord is, is good and he's kind, and his mercy endures forever. That's not just a fancy saying or, or something. I mean, he really is speaking your identity to you. And it's not your identity. Remember, this goes back to righteousness and holiness. He's not speaking to you about where you are right now and your shortcomings. He's speaking to the place that you are going to be. He's calling you up to that higher place, and he's speaking to you at an identity level. And so fruitfulness flows from intimacy. I heard someone say once that if ministry is hard, then it's not, then, then you're, then you're doing your own ministry, basically. In other words, if you're, if you're out trying to do ministry or something, minister to people and you're saying, ah, this is just, it's, it's so hard. Then the fact is, is that you're, you're doing it yourself. Your fruitfulness isn't flowing from intimacy. Fruitfulness flows from intimacy. Look at John chapter 15. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Hey, we're going to move on to stage four, standing in fullness. And this is really cool because when I think of the bride of Christ, for, for a long time, I thought the bride of Christ was the church. But the, you can't have the bride of Christ be the church because the church is the body of Christ. Isn't that interesting? You thought about that? The church is the body of Christ. And actually the pronouns are he in many places in the New Testament, not her. In Revelation, you see the bride of Christ is actually the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. So the new Jerusalem is actually the bride, not the church. So how can we apply this to our lives? Because the bride encompasses the church and the Jewish people, all of his saved ones. 
The church has not replaced Israel. Israel is still very much in the plan of God and we need to be praying over Israel. We absolutely need to be praying over Israel and we need to be praying over our government that we are partnering with Israel. Because when our government does not partner with Israel, we are opening up the door to some really bad stuff. We need to be a nation that's, that's partnering with Israel. I'm not going to go political, but I think it's okay for us as a people of God. We, we need to be praying for Israel. These are God's chosen, chosen people, and they still are very much God's chosen people on, the day, uh, on, this, on this day and age. The bride of Christ is the, is, is the fullness of, of God's plan for the ages. And part of our job in this day and age is to be his body on the earth. What I mean by that is we need to learn how to walk in our authority and walk in prayer. There's this really interesting part here. I'll read it out of the New King James Version, actually. Uh, in chapter 8, this is the Shulamite speaking to her beloved. And you've all, I'm, you've all heard this before. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. Remember, this is her in stage four. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel and demanding as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire. And in the Hebrew, it actually says the flames of Yah, which is literally Yahweh, Yehovah, Jehovah, the name of God. It's actually the proper name of God. And it's, it's saying the flames of God. So this is actually not talking about judgment. This is literally talking about the flames of passion of the Lord and, every, and his desire and everything that he wants for fulfillment as a, as a burning flame. I want you to notice that when it talks about a seal upon your heart, again, in the Hebrew mindset, this was very clear and easy to understand. The king would oftentimes have a signet ring as a seal, right? You've, you've seen the seal that you dip in the wax or, you know, you push it on the envelope, you know, whatever it's called, seal. Identity, right? It proves the identity of the person who, who stamped it. Many times when he would have a beloved or he would have his queen, he would hang it around her neck on a chain and it would hang right on her heart. And the idea was it symbolized that not only did he trust her heart, but he trusted her with his authority. And so when God can trust your heart, he can trust you with greater levels of authority. And you'll see that in prayer. As you grow in prayer and you learn the basics, we're all learning the basics, we're all continuing to learn the basics, but once you develop this intimacy with him and he learns he can trust your heart, you're going to start seeing uh, areas of authority open up. For instance, I've personally, I have all these, had all these dreams early on, I'm, like, I'm going to go change the world and all this stuff, and I still have those dreams. I have some pretty big dreams, some pretty crazy big dreams, and they're all going to happen. You watch. But I didn't really see a lot of authority in this kind of stuff. I didn't, like I was mentioning, you know, the raising the dead and all this. I'm like, ah, it's, stuff isn't really happening. I'm not really, whatever. Whatever. I don't care. I'm just going to press into Jesus, you know? I don't care. I'm just going to keep working on my thing. I'm going to keep studying the word of God. I'm just going to keep focusing on intimacy. And over the years, I've seen things happen. Very interesting things have happened. Like, I'm getting more dreams lately. I'm getting prophetic dreams, dreams that are over the nations and this and that. And like certain things that, Prophecy has just, I've been growing the gift of prophecy and, and just really interesting things that are just happening in my life. And it's not, I'm not trying to do it. I'm just pressing into Jesus, but these things are happening. And I know that he's, he's been speaking to me. He's like, look, I can trust you with this. I can trust you with that. And I'm like, God, what about that? <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, learn how to do this. Learn how to do what's in front of you first. And then you can get there. We'll talk about that later. And so that's an encouragement for you today is, is be faithful with where you're at. If you're not happy with where you're at, it's a very good indication that you need to learn how to be more faithful with where you're at. I'm saying that in love. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. <laughs> I'm saying this in love, guys. I'm telling you right now. If you're not happy with where you're at, if you don't like your job, if you don't like the people you're around, if you have anything like that in your life, I'm telling you right now, that is a spot for you to grow in and to learn how to love those people, learn how to love your job, be faithful in that area of your life, and you will see breakthrough, you will see updates, you'll see promotions. All this stuff is going to happen, but guess what? It comes with a price. Hmm. Wouldn't it be fun if we were just like, hey, God, I don't like this job. Just can you just, you know, can you just get me out of it and move me around? And I don't like this really, really annoying person. You know, I don't like their, their stuff. I, I'm just going to move from one place to another. I'm just going to move from one job to another. Well, how many of you know how that works out? I've done that. It doesn't work. You find, you know what happens is you, you don't like this person over here. You move jobs and you get someone worse. 
I'm, you guys know what I'm talking about. Man, be careful. Man, that person that, you, that, that annoys you and rubs you, rubs you the wrong way, man, you should be thanking God for that person. It could be a lot worse. <laughs> it really could. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's apply this. Let's make some main points here. I'm going to do some main points. Jesus is calling each one of us to a higher place in him. I think that's encouraging, actually. Like, I used to be shameful about that and be like, oh, Lord, I'm not at the place that I want to be, or I'm not where I should be, or shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? He's not going to kick down the wall. He's waiting. He is waiting for us, actually. So my encouragement is to, is to press, press in. Go for it. You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not trying to be heavy or anything. I'm really trying to encourage you, and I'm trying to come underneath you and, and, and you know, build you up. You know, I really want to get in there under the foundation and dig some of that stuff out so that we can lay the foundation for something more powerful. But I, I really like the fact that God is speaking his identity to us, our identity to us 24-7. And that, that's in the New Testament all over the place. You don't have to go into Song of Songs to see that. He does see you lovely, beautiful, and very worthy of his love. Okay, I want you to know that today. Someone here needs to know that. That if you're in Christ, you're righteous. And he sees you very worthy. So what are you going to do right now to respond? So this, this is cool because we have an opportunity right now to respond to Jesus. In a few minutes, we're going to go out. We're going to do our day and, and, and go into our weeks and all this. But I do feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to some hearts right now. And I really want to encourage you to take a step. If the Holy Spirit's doing something in you right now, I encourage you to, to engage. Okay, so just be thinking about how you're going to engage with him right now. This is, you don't have to do anything. Again, God's not going to knock, knock down your door, but he is going to send crazy Christians like me to you again and again to, to encourage you to, to step it up, I guess. <laughs> um, okay, so first of all, if you're, if you're the kind of person who maybe you aren't, you aren't born again, which, which means you haven't received Jesus, you haven't given your life to Jesus, right? Hey, bottom line, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. He loves you very much. I know that's, that sounds cliche, but it's absolutely true. He really, really loves you. He's speaking life to you. You may or may not recognize his voice, but I want you to know you have people praying for you and, and Jesus loves you. He's alive and he loves you. If you're hungry and you're looking for answers and you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, this is an opportunity to do so. I encourage you to give your life to Jesus today. There's another person so... You're beginning your walk with Jesus and, you know, maybe you're in the sacrificial love. Maybe you're not quite there yet. Maybe you're in the confident love. That's all good. I want to equip you with a really powerful tool. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit is absolutely incredible. And I believe it's absolutely necessary for us to step into the fullness of, of God's plan for us. And we can read the book of Acts and we can talk all about that. You might remember I shared a message on Pentecost about this a little bit. And it's, we also have resources um, online. Uh, but praying in tongues is the craziest. If you think about it from a physics standpoint, which I do, it's the craziest thing in the world. It's literally the fastest way. We all like doing things fast. It's the fastest and most effective way to just literally plug into the spirit realm. I don't know of any way that you can just turn on a switch and get into the spirit realm faster than praying in tongues. It's the crazy, it's really crazy if you think about it. Like you can just pray in tongues, you can do it when you want, and then you might not, like a lot of times I don't feel it. You know, I don't feel good, I don't feel anything, but you just pray in the spirit, you pray in tongues. And the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, your spirit gets edified, it gets built up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Jude 20. It says that you build yourself up in the love of God. You build yourself up in the edification of God. Man, I'm telling you, it's like you just flip a switch and suddenly you can get edified. Hey, sign me up. So there's more to being baptized in the Holy Spirit than that. But man, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I encourage you, this is your day. Get it, walk in it, and, and we'll, it's, we'll do this thing together. Um, another thing, learn how to meditate scripture. This is another, if you're kind of learning in your walk with Jesus, or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while, have you really learned to meditate scripture? This is, this is so important. When you, when you read the Bible, it goes into your head, and, and that's cool, but you need to get it into your heart. What does that mean? You need to really read it over and over and meditate on it and just kind of chew. The word meditate actually means chew it, and then, sorry, excuse me, but it means to spit it up and then eat it and chew it again like a cow, you know, chewing its cud. That's actually the literal word, what it means in the Hebrew. And so you, you take the word. So what I do is I'll take a scripture like, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, or something that I'm thinking about that the Holy Spirit quickens to me. And I'm reading in the Bible in the morning, you know, I'll underline it. Oh, this is awesome. You know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll chew on it all day long. I'll chew on it, chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. Think about it. Pray in tongues. Think about it. Pray in tongues. Talk about it to myself. I don't want to look like a weirdo. 
you know, you're out there on the job or something, you're praying in the spirit, and then people are like, what are you doing? You know, you don't, you don't want to be weird, you know, but, or, you know, he's over there quoting scripture to himself. I mean, you gotta, come on, you gotta, you gotta not be, not be too weird. Um, but meditate scripture. Learn how to meditate scripture. Not just read it and walk on, but learn how to really meditate in it. There's so many scriptures on this. Another thing, too, is surround yourself with people. I want to encourage you to surround yourself with people who rub off on you spiritually. There really is this thing, I don't know how it works, but when you get around people who are where you are at spiritually, or at least they're at a higher level, or whatever it is that you see them operating in their life, man, you get around those people. You let them rub off on you because it rubs off. It really does. I want to encourage you in that. Now, for those of you who are walking in, I would, you know, maybe the stage three, stage four, walking in maturity with Jesus, or kind of a maturing believer, again, number, I have a point here. It says, pray in tongues continually. I cannot emphasize that enough. When you pray in the spirit, you are praying out the mysteries of God. Romans chapter eight talks about how when you don't know how to pray in the natural, what do you do? Like, how are you going to pray for the nations? Let's be honest. How are you going to pray for the government? Right? You might be smarter than me, but you probably don't have a lot more than I do on, on what specifically to pray for for the nations, right? Or specifically to pray for for the government. Our minds are limited. We, only, we can only think of a couple of things in the, in the natural language. But when you pray in tongues and you're praying over the nations, you can pray the will of God. He, he, it's awesome, and he takes hold together with you in prayer, and you'll see those things, I mean, those things will get done. I, I could tell you so many stories, but, but I, I, I will not right now. Um, the other thing is, if you're already walking in maturity with Jesus, and you're, you're in that stage, are you serving and nourishing others as a spiritual father and mother? Um, some of the language in, in Song, of Solomon's, Sol, uh, Song of Songs talks about, you know, the breasts and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you look into it, it's, it's a nourishment thing. If we're taking this perspective, it's a nourishment thing. He's calling us to a place where we're nourishing and we're mothering and we're fathering other believers in the things of the spirit. And so I want to encourage you that, you know, who are, we, who are you mothering? Who are you fathering? Who are you nurturing in the spirit? Find someone. Who can you sow into? Comes with the price. How much time will you spend? So good. Um, I do want to mention, I have a little bullet point here. I do have some study resources. So I have, we, we have a, we, we actually have a, a nonprofit, a 501c3 nonprofit called Kainos Global. And we do stuff in Africa. I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody if you're interested in learning about Africa and what we do. Um, but I also have a website. So one thing I wanted to mention today is we actually have a, a Song of Solomon, a Song of Songs study notes that I've uploaded. It has columns and it has Amplified version, uh, English Standard version, and the Passion Translation. So I've organized it all so you can study it yourself if you want. And I've also uploaded my own personal notes. So if you want to see my 56 or whatever pages of notes and commentary and like scripture references, that's all there. It's all there for free. If you want, to, if you want more information, uh, talk to me afterwards. I'll send you there. It's all free. You can, hopefully that'll be helpful in your Bible study. The bottom line here is that I'm encouraging you to get into the Word of God for yourself. All right? I've just blasted you with a ton of information, but I want you to encounter the Lord. I want you to take a step. This is an opportunity to take a step with him right now. But when you go home, get into the word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him cement these things in you. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the beautiful book of Song of Songs. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are not aloof, you're not distant, you're so close. And Lord, we're just grateful for everything that you've done in our lives. Lord, I'm so thankful that you, you called me to a higher place. I was, I was so thankful to just be in that sweet spot with you and, and have nothing more. I didn't know there was anything more. I just was so happy to be saved. I was so happy to be out of my depression. And I was so happy to be in a place where there was future and, and a hope. But Lord, I'm so glad that you didn't leave me there. I'm glad that you called me to a higher place. And Lord, it's my joy to follow you. It's my joy to get to know you. More than anything in the whole world, Lord, we just thank you and praise you that there is no end to your dimensionless grace and mercy and kindness, your chesed towards us. Thank you, Father, for your protection. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. So Father, we just receive right now Whatever you're doing in our hearts, Lord, we just receive. There's some of us that are receiving healing from shame right now. Thank you, Father, for speaking identity to us and truth to us. Not what our circumstances tell us, not what our friends tell us, not what our family tells us, and not what the media tells us, not what the newspaper tells us, but Lord, who you say that we are. I just pray over us right now a fresh revelation of who we are in the spirit. 
and who you see us to be. You say, let me hear your voice. Let me see your face. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I pray that over every person listening to my voice, that we would have a revelation of who you are and your love towards us. So Father, we just thank you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus for your word. We sealed up these things. We received these things that you've done for us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.